Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today we're talking about how to find the areas of opportunity, the areas that you should be focusing on for conversion rate optimization. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. And we are thrilled to underwrite this program and bring some amazing guests to you. I have a question for you. How is your YouTube game? Are you using YouTube to help scale your e-commerce business? Hopefully, you're using YouTube both as a remarketing vehicle and also for top of funnel growth. However, if you're like most e-commerce companies, then you're probably not fully leveraging YouTube. So I have two free resources for you. The first is a two-minute crash course on YouTube ads. I recorded this with the famous Ezra Firestone. So you can check that out by looking at the links in the show notes to this show. You can also Google Smart Marketer and two-minute crash course, and you'll find the resource there. Also, we recorded a 90-minute webinar outlining exactly how we scale with YouTube. We talk about keys to a great YouTube ad. We talk about audience targeting. We talk about bidding, optimization, and much, much more. So I highly, highly recommend you check it out. You can also find that linked here in the show notes. It's also at the bottom of the two-minute crash course page. So check them out and start scaling with YouTube. And now, back to the show. My guest is... uh, Wildly famous in our circles and in the e-commerce world. He is the founder of EtherCycle. He's the host of the amazing podcast, which is about to hit a huge milestone, which we'll talk about in a minute, the unofficial Shopify podcast. He's the author of the e-commerce boot camp and he's just a legend, legend in the e-commerce space. So I'm excited to welcome to the show my friend, Kurt Elster. Kurt, what's up, man? Welcome to the show and, and thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me and thanks for the phenomenal intro. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So love your podcast. Obviously been a guest on the podcast. I listen to the podcast. It's how I stay up to date on all things Shopify, which is really important. But you guys are about to hit a milestone. So if you would talk about the milestone, but then also when did you you start the podcast? How long has that been going? I started the podcast about four years ago and the first month was like 150 downloads and the next (laughs) month was like 400 downloads. And four years later, next uh, in May, next month, we will hit uh, one million downloads. One million downloads. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Congrats to you guys. Thank you. Just just as, as a person who also hosts a podcast, I know the work that goes into it. And you guys have just done phenomenally well from, from guest selection to, to just the, you know, the content. It's all, it's all good, man. And it uh, sounds like you're not losing your, your passion or your joy for... Hosting the podcast, we're gonna keep. I I always feel like we have only just figured it out. Every time I I do the show, I'm like, okay, this time I figured it out. Yeah. So it's like it's a learning process, and the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. So So, true. And if anyone's considering doing a podcast, like now's the time, just do it. (laughs) I totally agree. Like, yeah, don't worry about it. Smashing success, even if it doesn't become you know a chart topper, even if it's not the next unofficial Shopify podcast, you'll you'll learn a lot. You'll grow from it. You'll connect with people that will be amazing. So yeah, and that's what's the cool about it. Absolutely, it's a, it's a networking Trojan horse because suddenly 
any interesting person you want to talk to one-on-one -on -one for 30 minutes, you have a thing of value to offer them. You can do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is so true because otherwise you're just like, hey, I think you're really interesting. Can I just like chat with you and ask you questions for 30 minutes? Like, That's ugh. not very appealing. But if you say, no. hey, come on my podcast, most people want to do that, which is, which is great. So uh, I will say you do have a phenomenal setup and, you know, we're recording this where we got video going. So if you want to check this out, go to the YouTube channel, Free Commerce Evolution, you can see it. But, but talk about your setup, dude. You, you, uh, that just shows that you are on your A game when it comes to podcasting. Yeah. So the, well, number one, like this is video and I wanted it, I treated, wanted to treat things like a, like a set, like a stage when you're in a video call, recording a webinar, screencast, whatever. So for 90 bucks off Amazon, I got a ton of acoustic foam panels. So the wall behind me is all acoustic foam. Um, I've got a 20-year-old uh, lazy boy executive leather chair that is the coolest looking thing. It is so like cool. Super villain yeah. stuff. Um, had to set it's up huge, the huge, just leather. It, is, it, is, yeah. it gives you instant cred. For sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to have the big chair, the big high back chair. Mm -hmm. um, and then I did some, some fancy lighting. So there's like a studio light on me. Uh, and then there's like a, I've got a bias light behind the chair to make it pop off the background. It's a little, it's very sunny today. So the effect is not quite as good. Got it. Uh, and then for sound, I got the classic, the Shure SM7B mic. This is what Michael Jackson recorded Thriller with. No uh, it's, way. Yeah, it's what Joe Rogan uses. Um, a lot of people. And then I run that through um, a processor so I can, it does, um, it'll like sets levels live. It does a little bit of equalization. Um, it has a noise gate. So when I'm not talking, it mutes the mic, which is really cool. Um, obviously, that's like recording your own podcast. You do that stuff in post. But when you're doing a screencast, a webinar, you're on someone else's yep. or just doing a yep. video conference, you're still getting that, that, like, that broadcast sound. Yeah. We just went highly technical and, and a little bit nerdy on the podcast. Oh, and yeah. I love it. But check it out. The, the, the setup is cool. I'm, I'm a road It looks cool. Guy. It looks very cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we just told people, hey, you should start a podcast and then rattled off like $2,000 worth of equipment. <laughs> you do, I'll tell you right now, when I started it, I had a $30 microphone yeah. and it never once has someone left a review that was like, the sound quality sucks. Never once has someone... I've got a few reviews that said I suck. Um, and never once have I gotten an email that's like, the sound quality sucks. So I'll tell you, good sound quality doesn't hurt. Bad sound quality doesn't help, but it's nowhere near as big a deal as you might think. Yep, yep. Content, personality, all that really yes. matters. Grow into the equipment and stuff to make you a rock star on, on Kurt's level. I just so, wanted to geek out. That's why I've got the gear. Yeah, yeah. I love it, dude. I, I, I would, I'm right there with you on uh, enjoying the, the geeking out process. So I want to get into this topic that you're very intimately familiar with, and that's conversion rate optimization. And more specifically, where do we start? How do we know what to optimize, what not to optimize? But I know one of the things that's kind of a hot topic that's on everyone's mind or, or a lot of people's mind who are on Shopify and who use MailChimp is the fact that they just broke up. They're in the process of a divorce. Uh, Mom and dad are getting a divorce. That. This time it's serious. Yeah. So Shopify and MailChimp's splitting, uh, parting ways. And there are 300,000 kids. 300,000 Shopify merchants use MailChimp. The what about the kids, yeah. guys? Do it for the kids. Work it yeah, out. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so back in November, they had uh, a dust up and they settled it. This time it's not getting settled. Mm. If you are on Shopify or if you're on Shopify and you're using MailChimp and you don't, you can no longer install the MailChimp integration. If you already have it installed, you get to keep it only until May 12th. May 12th, Dang. it will cease to work. 
that'll be, and then that's the end of it. Um, the long and the short of it is uh, Shopify made a, uh, a change to their privacy policy, their terms of service for um, Shopify partners. And they said, hey, if there's a hand, there's so, here's a list of customer information. It was basic stuff like, for, like last name, first name, email. And most importantly, if they had or had not opted in and out of marketing and like timestamp. And they said, you got to sync that stuff back to Shopify if you collect that, which it was so they could be compliant with privacy. MailChimp, they did a, Shopify did a poor job of communicating what those requirements were. And MailChimp seized on that opportunity to say, hey, we're protecting your privacy by refusing to work with Shopify, even though we rode that wave for four or five years. Um, and so now they're, they're going their separate ways. They're not working it out. Um, and so if you're one of those 300,000 merchants, you got two options. You could do nothing. Well, a few options are you could always do nothing. You could, atomic option is switch to a different e commerce platform. Please don't. It makes yourself crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or that's insane. You could try and replace the MailChimp integration. Uh, there's the two best apps to do that are ShopSync, seems to be the winner. People like ShopSync a lot. I like uh, Zapier a lot. Um, that one's probably more fiddly. ShopSync's easier. Um, so that's one option. And or use this as an opportunity to look at other e-commerce um, CRMs, email softwares, yep, and ESPs. switch away from MailChimp. So uh, yeah, Clavio, consider Clavio exactly. Yeah, exactly. Clavio is is probably what you want. The gold uh, standard. If you want to go super easy, Conversio. Um, if you're like, listen, I just want to set it and forget it. Conversio could be good. If you want to get really, really fiddly, Drip can be good. And if you're like, I need to be the most enterprisey enterprise, Bronto. Like this. Having said that, I'm so well, many, so many options. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, if you want to, if you want to keep it, like, hey, there's what, no what, end. Right, right. But if you look at, hey, what integrates really beautifully with Shopify? What's advanced and will do likely everything you need? And it's not super cheap, but something like Clavio, I think, is great. It's not as expensive as as maybe a Bronto or something. Clavio, Clavio, Clavio. Yep. I love it. Totally, oh my god, totally. it's <laughs> phenomenal. So, I mean, for my opinion, like this is a lose, lose, lose. Like Shopify is not made better by this. Mailchimp is certainly not made better by this. I don't know. I don't get it. But uh, hey, that's that's the way life and business. Well, the goes. suspicion. What seems to be the case is that Mailchimp is going to roll out an e-commerce solution, uh-huh. and that's this okay. is part of a larger business strategy. Mm-hmm. Where anytime a company says, "Listen, we're just really concerned, we're going to sacrifice because we're so concerned about our users' privacy," <laughs> they're probably fucking lying to you. <laughs> yeah, there, there's yeah. something there's something in the flank that they've got planned, and they're about to unveil that. But they're for now, it's just we're all concerned about your privacy. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. I, I would totally agree with you, and that that makes sense. So it'll be interesting to watch and see how that plays out for sure. So awesome. Well, appreciate that. Appreciate that insight. I, I know you're the man in the know when it comes to all things Shopify. So good to get that that insight. So let, let's transition. Let, let's talk about conversion rate optimization. There, there's so many things we can do here. There's so many areas we could focus on. If we say, "Hey, I want to improve my conversion rate," and I know that if I do improve my conversion rate, all my paid traffic opportunities work better. My organic traffic is better. Just, just everything changes. The math changes in my business if I can improve my conversion rate. But I think the, the real question, you know, there's a lot of podcasts talking about tips and tricks and things to do to improve your conversion rate. But what about discussing where do you start? Where do you begin? What do you change first? So let's dive into that because I know that this is kind of where you live and what you do. But how does someone start and how do they identify the areas of their shopping journey that, that need to be tested and potentially tweaked? Okay. 
I'm glad you asked. So that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. Um, the the thing that people often jump to is one of two things. They either say, hey, let's split test. Well, unless you have a ton of traffic um, and a ton of purchases so that you could quickly get statistically significant results and you're really well-versed in it, you're not going to go anywhere fast with split testing. Split testing is literally the last thing I would ever consider because it's like, do you have everything else nailed? Okay, now we can go to split testing, which is really a game of let's start throwing stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, when you say you have to have a you know good amount of traffic so you can get to statistical significance, benchmarks say like, well, what kind of traffic are we talking about? Do you need to be at before split testing even makes sense? Well, so really, it's by it's by purchase, um, okay. and I think you probably want to be getting like forty orders a day before you can really yep. take good advantage of this. Makes sense. So the, all right, the counterintuitive approach is I would start with the customers and I would start with a customer survey. I didn't even, when we got into uh, conversion rate optimization, I didn't even start with surveys. This is the thing I've recently started doing because I had seen the incredible impact that improving copy and messaging and objection-busting language based on surveys uh, had on our client sites, like consistently it felt like surveys and copy and the resulting copywriting had outsized impacts. So I'll give you an example of why this makes sense, why this is important. You only think you know why your customers are buying. Yes. I worked in a site uh, called Chicago Brick Oven and they sell brick ovens and they're in Chicago, right? Makes nice. sense. And great great one, name. Sounds yes. very tasty as well. Yes. And you, it's like those wood-fired, you want to make your own wood-fired pizzas, basically yeah, what you'd buy yeah. one of these things for. Um, and they, we would assume that if you bought one of these, you were a foodie and that was your, your motivation. Not the case. If you go on the site now, and it, like I'm sure those people are, but we interviewed people and we started, we got some interesting answers. And they're like, I love that my family comes over on the weekends and we cook pizza in the backyard. And it basically was like a social thing. A social thing. Decided. Makes we sense. We would not have guessed that at all, but it was. And so... Uh, we revamped the site and as part of it, we changed language and on the homepage, the hero image has a headline. The headline became, it's literally a direct quote from the survey. The oven and the pizza I cooked became the sensation of my small town. Nice. Holy shit. <laughs> How are you going to do, it's basically like I bought a pizza oven, now I'm the mayor. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. But that that hits on so many things. Like that, that goes right to the core of why someone wants... Uh, a brick oven to cook wood fire pizza. It's, it's the social aspect. It's the renown they get. I'm kind of into barbecuing. I like to like to grill. And okay, yeah, you get it. Yeah, we're building a big deck um, so we can have more people over and out on the deck. But it's all about the social aspect. Like, yes. if people were commenting or complimenting my burgers and stuff like that, that's the ultimate high when it comes to barbecuing. You know, uh, and so this is the the same thing. And man, what what a beautiful use of. I'm I'm, I'm thinking of an old ad. It goes something like that. I can't remember what it was for. But anyway, um, that totally makes sense. Now, now let, let's key in on that ultimate benefit. I'm buying the brick oven so that I can be the talk of the town or, or that my, all my family wants to come over. It's the social aspect. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. So, yeah, you don't know that until you do the survey. Yeah. At the top of the show, we discussed, hey, the, your audio, if you're making a podcast, the audio quality is much less important than the message. Right. And that's why... For conversion rate optimization, I'm putting the message first before the user experience because yep. I could 
we could optimize this thing all day. If the messaging falls flat, it doesn't matter. The most right. beautiful site in the world is not going to sell well if it's just like if the messaging is just soggy and limp. Yep. We want, yep. we want Tweaking the color of the checkout button, the add to cart button, yeah. changing it from orange to blue. Maybe, but like, like, look at the message first. That's that's the real winner. And the the survey itself, uh, we've discovered, is a a good opportunity for a quick sale email. So what we do is we segment. We make a landing page on the site with a survey form. You use whatever form builder you're comfortable with. I like Wufu, um, just because it's what I've used. And then we segment everyone who made a purchase in the last twelve months, like one or more purchases. If you've got a ton of customers, you could try and segment it to just repeat purchasers. To really narrow in on that like VIP cohort, um, it really depends on what you're comfortable with and the level of traffic you have. And so, but like, let's say you know we just send an email. Everyone who made a purchase in the last twelve months, and you say, "Hey, we need your help. We want to improve our brand, uh, but to do that, we need your feedback. And if you do that, we'll happily send you a coupon." So then you set up the form. They fill out the questions, and at the end, they get a coupon code. You like Shopify. Uh, shareable discount link, so they click it; it automatically applies, yeah. and you make you know you'll pay for the survey yep. very rapidly this yeah. way. Um, yeah. so you're incentivizing people to fill out the survey. You're also paying for your time and effort and whatever yeah. uh, uh, to to do the survey. Um, tips on because I know that there's an art and a science to doing surveys. This is actually fun. I, I, I had no idea you were going to share this, but I love this idea. Uh, you know, I started my marketing career uh, basically in, two, in the year 2000, selling radio, and then did some stuff with small business. And so I've always been a believer. We used to do uh, like paper surveys uh, because get, the, the insight you get is so valuable. And then, of course, Survey Monkey came along and all those things, and that revolutionized it. But there's an art and a science to asking questions, right? Yes. If, you, if you fail on the survey, this is where you probably need to get someone to help you. If, if you ask bad questions, you will get bad answers. Any tips on? How to make the survey? You know, how many questions? What do you ask? Just, and I know we can't maybe dive into that too deep, but any any tips on that? So I, uh, you want to keep it short, so you do ten questions or less. Um, the standard form we've come up with is eight questions. You want to ask. We've got some radio button questions in there, um, but we have uh, equally radio many. button meaning meaning yes, no, or multiple choice. Oh yeah, basically, yeah, yes, no, or multiple choice. Um, and then we've got, but like none of them have a ton of. Um, ton of things in there, ton of options. Uh, and then the rest, we ask open-ended questions. If you ask people open-ended questions, they will give you honest answers, especially if you phrase it the right way. And you yes. generally want to phrase it as like the, the inverse of the direct question. So if I said, I want to know what my purchasers look like. I said, Brett, tell me about yourself. And Brett would be like, well, I'm a dad. I've got three kids, I'm an entrepreneur. It doesn't really help me. It's too like, yeah, that's Brett, but it doesn't work as a description for a customer avatar. Mm -hmm. So instead you say, what kind of person would benefit from Acme widgets? And, ah, uh, okay. Now they're going to describe, describe the themselves. avatar of themselves. Yep. So that's what I say, like take the inverse of an indirect question or the inverse it. of a direct question. Love that it. One, what kind of person would benefit yeah. from our ovens? Yeah. It's phenomenal. Uh, so we, we could say, hey, have you recommended this product? Yes, no. And if they have... Say if they say no, we just go. We pop up a question. You know, tell us why not. Uh, and usually, it's just like, well, I haven't found anybody. Yeah. And if they say yes, then we go. How did you? Uh, to what kind of person would you recommend it? Yeah. And then that's okay. Ah, now they're going to describe themselves. And then the follow-up question is, what kind of benefit would they get from it? And then they're going to tell you the primary why benefit they, it. they got and why they bought it. Dude, so that's, that's awesome. okay. 
Brilliant. When you, that's where you start seeing people saying, you know, stuff like, man, I, uh, it, it's so I can have my family over and we can cook pizza or we could, you know, smoke uh, sausage or whatever the heck. Um, the thing that you didn't had no idea was the actual benefit that people got because it's often these very emotional reasons and they may yes. not even think about it until you ask that right way. Tying it back to the emotional reason why someone buys is so powerful and sometimes in the the age of split testing and having data and KPIs for everything, we we get too focused on the technical and the math and we forget that it's the message, it's the emotion that leads someone to sell. Um, and so when you can blend all of that, then you're then you're you know, a superhero. So, uh, okay, love the survey idea. That's phenomenal. Uh, did not expect that and uh, pleasantly surprised by that. So, okay, survey. What else? Right. What else should we use to identify so the, where do we optimize? The problem with that survey, we only heard from the people who bought. We still don't know the people didn't buy. Why didn't they buy? And you might be thinking, well, how the heck am I going to get to them? The solution is you run an exit intent survey on your landing pages, your product pages. And uh, I like Hotjar. Hotjar's right. basic plan is free. Um, it's basically like a, a testing suite. And Hotjar also plan, has like heat maps and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it's got everything you want and it starts at the beautiful price of $0. So there's zero no dollars. reason not to try this thing. Um, and it's easy to use. And you could do a thing, um, you could do exit intent polls or surveys. So... We ask one question if someone, you know, we look for like, does the URL have slash products in the title? Okay, we know they're on a product page then. And when they mouse out of that screen, we pop open a window with one question. It says, if you didn't make a purchase today, what stopped you? And now they're going to tell us their number one objection. Now, the catch with these things is most people won't answer, but you don't need that many to start to see a trend. And so if it's like, well, the price is too high. Okay, maybe you should offer... Financing, maybe you need to better communicate yep, the value. Yep. Um, or what you want to look for is what are the objections that people had and are like that means 100% you did not do a good enough job of busting those objections. And maybe you already run live chat on your site, like start farming your live chat for those common questions Great and look for well. those objections yep. um, and put them, put them into the site, like on the product page in a way where it's obvious and it. Ideally, once you implement it, you should see those similar complaints start to drop. Yeah. Yeah. The questions asked through the chat are just giving, showing you where your communication is failing, right? Where, where yes. is the site not answering someone's question, uh, questions? And then that's, that's what you need to go in and change. So that's beautiful as well. So look at, look at live chat. Okay. So exit surveys, you recommend Hotjar. Phenomenal. Yes. Um, fantastic. All right. So that, so first one, we know why people, we use the survey. We know why people are, are shopping. We know the benefit they're getting. Ideally, we update our language on that. But this also helps us inform intent. Like now we've got a much clearer picture of what the person is trying to get out of your website. Um, so now when we go to the traditional, and this is like where I used to start with these things, with these um, website audits, is with heat maps. So we run... Um, Which by the way, just a quick side note, I hope I don't derail you, but this is just... No, go ahead. As you understand the intent and what some why someone is buying, that also in, influences what we do. Like now, I know maybe different keywords to target, or now I yes. know maybe I can shift my targeting on YouTube just a little bit. Or now I say I need to create a whole new YouTube video, a new ad because of what we just found out in this survey. So, uh, and I've seen that happen. Is, what's that? 
I've seen that happen where yeah. it's like completely chit. We're like, oh my God, there's an entire use case for this product that we had no idea. And it like has this common purchaser. So now we can make a new, like make new ad creative for that use case in person. Totally makes sense. Okay, beautiful. So now you understand the intent. Now you're moving into the more traditional CRO tactics. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yes. So now we can run, um, we can run heat maps on the site. And what I want to look at Hotjar, again, it'll do this. Um, it'll, re it'll generate a heat map, a movement map, which I don't find terribly useful. A heat map is what they click on. Um, so we call it a click map more accurately and a scroll map. Uh, so I, And it'll let you break it down by device. So it'll give you one for phone and one for desktop, one for tablet. And really, like, let's throw, unless you've got a ton of traffic and you're getting really fiddly, you probably don't even want to bother with the tablet one. You're going to be mostly looking at phone, the majority of people's traffic, and then desktop. Um, so with this, uh, with the heat map, you want to run it on whatever the top landing pages are for the site. Um, so it's usually going to be like homepage, collect, uh, collection or category page, a best-selling product page, your cart, and maybe your checkout. Um, and when you run through that heat map, what you want to look for is, number one, are there elements that people just don't interact with? If they even like people reading stuff, you can tell when they're reading stuff because they'll be like straight clicks where they highlighted text. So that could tell you like, um, so first I want to look through like, is their elements just got nothing at all? And if that's the case, can I get rid of it? If no one interacts with it, it means it's a distraction. So first, let's just clean it up. Let's just eliminate the stuff that they're not playing with. And second, so that, um, that means that a distraction probably improves speed and a number of other things if you, if you eliminate that. Yes. Yeah. There's rarely a disadvantage to getting rid of stuff that you don't need because it's tough. Like it, when you put the site together, everything you put on there was really a best guess. Um, once it's actually out there in the wild and we see how people use it, that's probably very different than how we imagined they were using it. Sorry, did we run through? Um, so first I say, look for the stuff that no one interacted with. And if it's something you don't need, it's just like a link to our values and no one clicks that. Okay, that can go away now. But maybe they clicked on our story. All right, well, why don't you just combine those two pages? Yeah, we could simplify it. Um, the other thing you want to look for then is... Um, so we got rid of that stuff. Now start looking for, is there things people are clicking on that don't do anything? Because that means that's some kind of confusion. So, hey, let's... You could either try changing the design so they're not clicking on it anymore. But better yet, if we got an element that people are clicking on, that's more engagement and action on the site. Let's go ahead and make that clickable as long as we've got a good idea of where we think it should go. Um, even running, like I ran it on my own site and I had this thing, an element on our site that's like brands we've worked with. People were clicking on the logos. Of course they were clicking on the logos and they went nowhere. So we went like, I'm like, oh shit, I gotta go make case studies and then link it to that, right? Like the stuff happens to me too. Um, so like that's, uh, so you wanna look for uh, those misclicks and then... Um, if like going through the site, it can, especially like a homepage, it can help determine order where, you know, like, man, there's this one element that people are clicking on. Like there's two elements that people interact with, but there's, they're clicking on one way more than the others. All right. Well, why don't we, we can rearrange the layout based on the order that people are clicking on these elements. Bring the most click like, stuff up to the top. Yeah. Finds so them below the fold that a lot, that an inordinate amount of people are clicking on, pull that up. And if there's something at the top of the page people aren't clicking on, push that down, that, that type of thing. Yes. So we're basically like, we're using our background where we know kind of what their goals are based on the survey. And we know um, we know what like best-selling products are. 
and we know um so then once they're on the site we're looking at we're going to use what people do and don't interact with as a a data point to determine what stays what goes and in what order it goes in that's the advantage to the heat map um, how long how long do you run the the heat map test typically to to be able to say ah okay now we're getting a clear picture of these are the elements that matter, these elements that don't, this is what people are clicking on and what they're not clicking on. How long do you run that? I know that all depends on traffic too. So it does it by number of visitors. Um, the basic plan limits you to a thousand. I have consistently found that's enough to get a, yeah, yeah. a clear answer. Makes sense. Um, and one of the nice things about the basic plan is it doesn't use a hundred percent of your traffic. So it stretches it out over a longer time. Um, and I think that could get you a more statistically significant result. It gets you a better sample. Yes. Maybe you had a spike in traffic one day because of one thing, you know, sale or an ad you ran, then all those visitors may be pretty similar. But if it spreads yes. it out, it's going to be a better sample. Yeah. So, um, but if you're like suspect, if you can look at the heat map and go, you know, I think this is something's weird here. There's no harm in just rerunning it. Um, so the the answer is it's not by time. It's it's by number of visitors. So minimum I want is a thousand. 2000, obviously, like more is better, but it depends on the plan you're on and how much traffic you get to the site. Um, Makes sense. Grow map generally, that one's, there's a little more intuition there. I generally want to see that, like, if you want to know if a page is too long, and too long could mean like they lost interest in it and bounced, or they're just, they get to the thing that a majority of people want and they click through to the next page before they ever get to the bottom of the page. That means, all right, the thing's unnecessarily long, so it's got excess load time for no reason. I just look to see if 75, approximately 75%, three to four people make it to the end if they get to the footer. And then we know, okay, this page is as long as it needs to be. And that's one where it gets a little tough. It's like, oh, they, you know, half of people bounced like, or 75% only made it 25% of the way down the page. All right, that this tells me there's an either an issue or there's an element that they like that the majority of people are clicking on mm-hmm. um, so the page doesn't need to be longer but that's where it gets a little tougher like you yeah just, uh, is it just that on. is it that all their questions are answered and they're they're convinced after 25 percent so they're ready yeah. to go or yeah, is it, it be good or bad that's the, the tough part so that one's going to be like pretty um uh, subjective, where yeah. case by case basis, but just that use that benchmark. Like, did three out of four people make it to the footer? Okay, the great. Um, if not, uh, we got to start questioning what's going on here. Or if you have like ninety nine percent of people make it to the footer, that could tell you like there's something that there's missing that they expect to be there. That's not a lot of people didn't maybe didn't get their question answered or didn't yes. find enough info because yeah, if everybody's because a lot of people. I, I I'm one of those that my answers are my questions are answered usually pretty quickly. So I may not scroll all the way to the bottom of the page. Uh, I'll make quick decisions on, on some things. So yeah, if everybody's scrolling to the bottom, then probably your page doesn't have enough info. I love that. that makes yeah. Sense. Uh, all right. Here is my, uh, here's my last one. Because this testing does not need to be that tough. Well, and I guess I could tell you about split testing briefly. Um, all right. The next one is user testing. So Hotjar will let you do screen recording, which is cool. Um, but I want to take it a step further. Like I have trouble with watching screen recordings because they're so out of context. Um, I think it. Meaning they can you be, don't you don't know what the person is thinking, right? Are they are they are they talking through what they're doing, or you just get to watch? No, you just watch them click so around no the site. It's very weird. Um, yeah, I don't, and I just I don't find they keep, like I'll watch a few, but I've just it's not a thing I get a ton of insights out of. Um, 
and like check it out. You know, you can run again. You can run it on your site in the basic plan um, with Hotjar, and what try and watch like three to five of them. But and you'll see how people are using the site, so that could be helpful. Do it last once you know how like kind of the heat map uh, and scroll maps are looking. Um, but because this is like it's so divorced, where it's just it, you're watching a mouse step around a browser. It's weird. I got a different way. I got this one from this way cooler. This is if you're hardcore about how good your site needs to be. Josh Frank from Testing Triggers um, told me he goes to coffee shops. So we'll assume Starbucks. Yep. He buys a stack of gift cards. So he buys like 10, $10 gift cards for a hundred bucks. Then he hangs out in that gift shop or in that cafe and talks to people and goes, Hey, I like, here's a $10 gift card. I want you to have it. I just, I'm a web designer and I need, I just, need you to watch you uh, try to purchase something from my website. It'll take you 90 seconds. And awesome. a lot, yeah. And a lot of people, you know, some people be like, Oh no, thank you. But most people are like, Oh, that's really cool. Um, and so they'll, uh, they'll go along with it. So now you have a, you get to watch a stranger try and purchase something cold from your website, probably on their phone. I guess you could bring a laptop with um, or hassle people who have laptops in the cafe. Um, and, but then also ask them questions like, Hey, what it like, why, why you don't want to do interrupt that? them, but yeah, you could be like, Hey, why'd you think that worked that way? Um, or, you know, what did you think? Or they're like, Oh, that if they go, that's weird. You could say, well, what did you think would happen? Um, so it, it's a really, really interesting way to do it. I understand that might be intimidating for some people. Um, yeah. so, other zone, but man, I love that face to face yeah. and live. And that that discussion you have that that's a you're gonna get unique answers and a unique experience uh, if you do it that way. And again, probably don't have to do a ton of those, but if you, if you um, get a handful, of, did your buddy talk about how many of those he tries to do to get some clear insights? You try to get five to ten, yeah. um, and the advantage is you get to talk to people that way. Uh, but all right, let's say that spooks you out. Here's the other easy way: at your next family gathering, have your extended family do it. So the people who don't really know what you do, you like already you're picturing someone, have them do it. So like, okay, they're family, they're obligated to do it. It takes the pressure off you, but you still get that experience of someone who's relatively um, unfamiliar with your site tries to make a purchase for the first time. And that's what you need is those like that very first time reactions. Because the moment they've gone through it once, okay, now they're already starting to figure out and work around any weird pain points, friction, jankiness that the site has. So the advantage of that too is you're going to be, you know, some of your family members probably are not that technically savvy. So you can watch how do they go through this shopping process. And that's a good indicator of what is the general consumer going to, going to how are they going to behave? Are they going to get stuck on certain elements? Or is it going to be smooth for them? I think you'd said one time that, that you want to design your site so that a, a drunk Somebody. I want a, I want a crazy lazy drunk can work through the site. <laughs> yeah. I love so that. I want some, like the crazy. I want somebody. They assume they're a narcissist. Like the web, the web, webs, the one of the common mistakes we see is that all the copy is written like first person about the entrepreneur, about the the merchant, and like when I'm just a stranger on a website and you're looking for my money, I don't care about you. I care about me, right? So you want to make sure you've got that you focus language to answer that narcissism. Um, was where the the crazy part of crazy lazy drunk came from. Crazy lazy drunk. You probably have one of those in your family. You can just have them <laughs> shop your site, get get their feedback, and you're ready to rock. So, uh, okay, this has been phenomenal. 
very, very actionable and helpful. So what about then split testing? So that, that, that probably that comes way down the road, not right for everybody, but just give, yeah. give your tips and, and, and insight on if you choose to split test, how do you do so it? If, if you went through everything we discussed, now your site is in a significantly better place than it was. And there's a lot of things where you're like, yeah, I'm sure that like forehead slappers where you're like, oh yeah, I meant to fix that two years ago, never got around to it. So you've got all those issues fixed. But there's some things where you're like, you know, I've got some ideas on how to improve this, but I'm not sure what impact it'll have. Okay, now it's time to do split testing. The uh, best tool, I think, is Google Optimize. So number one, it's free. It's so easy to set up. It's deceptively, deceptively simple. I spent like two days screwing around with it because it was already set up like correctly. And I was just trying to wildly overcomplicate it. So the magic of Google Optimize is it uses your... If you've got Google Analytics running on your site with um, enhanced e-commerce, which if you're on Shopify, you already do, um, adding Google, getting Google Optimize to run on top of that is incredibly simple. So then you can, um, you can set up split tests with it um, and know decisively like, okay, when we did this version of the page, uh, uh, conversions went up 40%. And, but... Um, Google Optimize, easy and free. So try that first and try um, it. Some, make sure it's like very uh, statistically significant when you're looking at these tests and try not to go crazy with it. Like to really, most people can only support one test at a time um, and make it like an A B test. Like just don't overcomplicate it and uh, end up you know, creating all kinds of statistical issues for yourself. Totally makes sense. And, and we were talking, you know, offline about looking for, you know, where can you get the most leverage? You, you look for those areas where we can make these small, relatively small changes that have the biggest impact. And I think that's exactly what you identify with the survey process, the heat map, the scroll map, and the, those in-person kind of drivers, which is awesome. So I think that's, that's phenomenal, really, really good content. Uh, I will also say, and we don't really have time to dig into it now, but I love the episode on your podcast that you and Paul did on building the perfect product detail page. So uh, in fact, it, well, let's take like 30 seconds. Like, so quick teaser for that episode. Why should people watch that episode? Other than the obvious perfect product right. detail page, why should they watch that or listen to that? So I will, I will tell you based on, based on successful examples working with clients, we lay out, these are the elements you need for a successful product page based on experience. But number one, oh my gosh, treat your product description as a sales letter um, and lead with, uh, make it longer than you think it needs to be. Use the Amazon style and then use um, uh, a, sales, a sales letter format where the description you talk about, the pain that the product uh, is for, the... Um, the a paint a picture of the world that this product creates and then introduce okay well here's the technical like features of the product so very benefit focused um, and again that that's copywriting anybody could do it you don't have to have uh, a designer or developer help you with that and it can have a, an incredible impact on uh, add to cart rate but that's something that so many people skip like people skip the because it feels the like homework what's that it feels like homework. It does feel like homework. It feels like you're, like you're writing paper, like you're, like you're back in English class or something. But it's so important to get that emotional peel right and to, to, to zero in on the right benefits. And then yes, get to the technical things as well. But uh, we just, we forget or, or we assume people know what we know or we, we assume that the picture is going to do all of the selling for us. And certainly images are, are 
immensely important in e-commerce, but but a lot of people skip skip the copy or they 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 shortchange or they don't put effort into it, and and that that can be a huge benefit. So on that episode, you kind of break down some really great product detail pages for really go check out and, and look at. And so highly recommend that episode. We'll link to it in the show notes on this show as well. Uh, so Kurt, what if people are listening and they think, dude, that process, that sounds amazing. I need to go through that process, but I don't want to do that myself. So they could also hire you guys potentially to run that process for them, correct? Absolutely. We do yep. it uh, fixed price, fixed scope. So there's no no hourly billing. You know what you're paying up front. Uh, check out ethercycle.com. Ether, like Ethernet cycle, like bicycle. Ethercycle.com. Check it out. My man, Kurt Elster. We've sent clients his way. Does phenomenal work. If it's a good fit for you, highly recommend you check it out. And check out the unofficial Shopify podcast. It's amazing. Uh, you'll fall in love with it as I have. Uh, Kurt, man, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate you coming on and we'll have to do this again sometime. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Talk to you soon. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of. We love your show ideas, topic ideas. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.